1: Kicking off the week, first day of school for some, my son included. So he is heading to school, third grade, butterflies. I know the people on this show do not have butterflies, but I remember when I went to my first day of school, the anticipation and all that excitement, who are you going to meet, how's the year going to be, what friends are you going to make, all that good stuff. So how are you, Andrea?
2: I'm wonderful, and I'm so excited uh, that uh, you got to spend the morning with get his first day off so fun
1: yeah i I think you might be breaking up a little bit just so you know
2: Mm, thank you you're welcome All right, skip me then (laughs) (laughs) well we're
1: not gonna we're not gonna skip too far but i did an event yesterday uh heels and motivation with dr renee allen in dc had people from all over the u.s come to this event and very very fun event uh we'll be posting the photos so you can give a little glance and um share them with people and uh what else did we do this weekend? Did you have any events? Kind of a quiet one for you.
2: I'm trying to remember what all I did. I had a lot going on. Um, I did have uh, some things occur that really make the Keep Smiling movement even more poignant, and uh, that is the um, someone uh, I had some other people die in my world and frame of the world, and uh, you know every time that happens, it just makes it more uh, painful. F- and the fact that we never got their story and their legacy of who they are, what they meant, and what they wanted to portray out into the world. And uh, that um, uh, I, it's, painful not only for us at the Keep Smiling movement, but painful for their loved ones and friends. And ironically, uh, for the people who it could have impacted and touched and changed their life to have known what was important to them, what they changed, what they wanted to see change in the world. So I I just wanted to really address that. And I did do some things this week, but I can't remember what all I did.
1: (laughs) Well, you can't remember everything, but I I do want to give a shout out to Uh, Tanya Waltrick with T. Rose Bridal. We uh, supported her. Again, she is a saving grace for so many people in the event business in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And she's actually an East Coast uh, on the show, Bridal show. And, you know, you meet someone like her and your business will evolve because she connects people. She connects opportunities. So, just want to give a shout out to you, Tanya. I know you're going to be listening at some point. And thank you for getting us through a troubled year last year, being brave, stepping up and doing the virtual bridal show, which was a hoot. And then, of course, these real bridal shows with all the brides, all the opportunities, you are a blessing. So thank you very
2: yeah. much. Uh, T-Rose uh, T Bridal um, does go to multiple locations and did them virtually during. And I was almost at that. I got asked by Linda McBee, who is a friend and, and supporter of the Keep Smiling movement, to come and help her with her business, and I because she was hoping that I could be in Baltimore this weekend, but I wasn't able to go. So you almost saw me there because I would have been working at to help people get the things that they needed and have a lot of things happen for them. So <clears throat> and congratulations! I already saw pictures for the Heels and Motivation from uh, Gaella um, Bynum who had put some stuff up. Oh, She's good. with uh, We Will Survive Cancer and <clears throat> uh, some fun things that are. Um, Coming up this week, we'll see I'm either supposed to be in Philadelphia Wednesday and Thursday or possibly Vegas. So we'll see what the cards throw out there on the world to make happen for any of us. And hopefully, Ken, we can get you there.
1: Well, I I know we have the Arizona book and the Philadelphia book that we went out there a couple months ago and we took photos. And I know there's at least 40 or 50 people that want to do chapters. But uh, it is all about how does the chapter happen when you meet someone that has a great story. And so I would like to just briefly show that this book is indeed 800 pages. Um, A hundred page book obviously is just like that much. So (laughs) this is uh, the book or the template that was being referenced earlier about people that do not necessarily understand the importance of doing this while you're alive. And um, we're recommending people that are doing really wonderful things in the world to share their story because at some point, the story does go away with the person. So this book is about legacy. It's also about uh, connecting stories to inspire. So I hope, I hope that you get the template is how you created who you are, why you do what you do and how it impacts the world. So really fun, really fun template it takes about two hours to do. And you're on Amazon and we have all kinds of books on Amazon that you can get for free as eBooks through the key smiling movement.com.
2: Uh, Yeah, and a shout-out to Chris Krohn, who's having an event right now. He is a YouTube influencer and influential in the real estate world, and he has completed his chapter as well uh, for the Dose of Hope book. So, so thankful to him for seeing the value and how not only his message getting out to the world, but by encouraging other people to share their stories uh, to motivate others is important and valuable. Well, since you you brought
1: that up, I do want to say that we have we're going to press this week with the fourth edition. We have included in there Rob Angel, who created Pictionary. We have Ron Klein, who created the magnetic strip for the uh, credit card. Uh, of course, we just a- talked about uh, Chris Crone. We have Randy Sutton and so many other people. We have about 24 uh, chapters that are going into the new edition. So it'll be four parts of Doses of Hope. And for those of you who are curious, it's going to be 12 parts total adding up to 10,000 pages, and the comment we've had from a couple people is, who would read 10,000 pages? Well, I don't think anyone would read 10,000 pages in one sitting, but believe it or not, one dose a day is about eight pages, and that is what we think would happen for about 500 days, and that is how many authors there are.
2: And uh, that's what we're talking about, a dose of hope. It just makes things uh, all right in the world. Well, why don't
1: we bring the sponsors <laughs> up, and then let's bring our guest in.
2: Yes, um, so our main spot sponsor is bees.social, that's bee Social, the cryptocurrency for the world, a crypto literacy program for the people by the people, my makeup lady, Lynn Benavides, the EMF fix, menfashion.com for the shirts that uh, Ken wears, uh, everyone he speaks and around the world, and also Perfect Publishing and the Red Carpet Connection and Voice America Influencers Channel and today's guest I'm super excited to bring on. I met him through John Robertson, through Friends of Peter, because Ken invited me to join Friends of Peter. It's a private mastermind and uh, Peter Storpel is one of the most connected men in North America, and Steve Gandara is this amazing man who really focuses on excellent cultures and the team of having an excellent culture. Excellentcultures.com is his website. He's spent over four decades helping leaders transform corporate culture and helps leaders turn into relentless commitment to excellence that yields them triple and quadruple 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 it's so big it's quadruple uh, digit ROIs. he's Hispanic American and he grew up in a West Texas family of overachievers graduated from Oklahoma University he was in the military in the army and he has done so many things in the field of helping different people do major things from startups to fortune 500s he's also worked with clergy and nonprofit leaders such as us and he really is committed to uh, maximizing professional leadership and personal growth of leaders and employees alike. I'm so glad to not only have him as a guest, but to be personal friends with Steve Gandara. Here he is. As soon as he pushes the button. And, uh, <laughs>
1: Steve here. Pronounce your last name so I make sure I get that right.
3: Gandara uh, uh, is a good way. Gandara. If you were south of the border or in Spain, you'd say Gandera, But if you're not an I-roller or an R-roller, uh, you could be an I-roller, but not an R-roller. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll answer to anything this close. So, Gandara is, is correct? That's good. That's good.
1: Okay. Because uh, I thought it was a tomato-tomato thing. I just want to make sure. It, it is. Tomato-tomato. <laughs> tom- <laughs> so, a lot of people don't know after you triple and quadruple uh, your digits for ROI, the, the
3: fifth one is quintuple yeah right? quintuple yeah we, <laughs> yeah we've actually had one client that did that oh really But uh yeah that that's not the norm but usually it's triple to quadruple and that that's because uh, you know we're able to solve business problems by dealing with the soul of the company or the soul of the people which is the soul of the company is basically the collaboration of the soul of the people which is the culture of the company And when you change a culture, something that's deep inside, just imagine what happens when um, a person has a a spiritual uh, touch from God or they've had just a life-changing aha or they were a drug addict or an alcoholic and they get to the point where uh, the desire for drugs and alcohol just leaves them. When you have that kind of an internal transformation, that kind of an internal change, everything on the outside changes. So um, we're able to use scientific instruments to assess what's going on inside of the, the soul of a business and solve business problems by dealing with the real core. Your corporate culture is the most misunderstood word. Culture is the most misunderstood word in corporate America. Everybody talks about it, but nobody ever Googled the definition. If they did, they're going to get two definitions, one from Cambridge in England, one from Harvard in the US, you put them together, it's the beliefs that govern how people behave at work. If someone believes I hate my boss, they're a jerk, then they're going to behave totally differently than someone who believes the opposite. So uh, when you can identify what are these core beliefs that are going on that are causing the lack of diversity in the company or that are causing the challenges between labor and management that are causing the low sales that are causing the lack of employee engagement address those help people deal with those wonderful things happen and it always shows up on the bottom line of the firm and you talked about um, measuring these with devices you said what was well, that well it's, it's more scientific instruments scientific um, instruments so yeah I'd we have a, hear about an, that. yeah we have a number of tools that we use some that we've created ourselves after four decades of doing something you kind of figure out what works what sort of works, what kind of works, and what never works. And uh, so we've developed some instruments ourselves that measure um, the culture of a firm or the culture of an individual. And then we license some from scientific providers. We have one partner that's a PhD out of the University of Illinois, Chicago, who's actually been gathering data on corporate cultures for 50 years. And Mm -hmm. so when you're gathering data for 50 years, uh, it allows us to have access to corporate cultures on from every civilized nation on the planet for benchmarking purposes. And um, basically, when you've got a instrument that's the global standard of measuring corporate culture, that's highly accurate, scientifically valid, statistically proven, not a theory, but a fact, um, it's a real valuable tool if you know how to use it. Well, I would love to hear more about the instruments
1: the scientific instruments but we're going to save some of that for the second part because we want our audience to get to know who you are steve and because andrea has had the opportunity to actually experience what you have taught and had as a workshop i believe uh we're going to have her engage a little bit more uh, in the second segment to share the benefits she received and let people know why this is so important but let's start off with who is steve because that is the big thing about these uh books called Dose of hope, or any key smiling book, is how do we create who we are? And you obviously, if you've been doing this for, did you say fifty years? No, forty-four. Forty-four. Okay. Yeah, so started we started when I was a baby. When you were like one. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so in six years, I started I have to as a note, toddler. Yeah, I have to make a note in six years to say happy fiftieth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have a belief system uh, in our template that when you create who you are. It is a determined, unstoppable, no matter how many challenges, failures you have, you go for it and you create a life you love. So why don't we start off with where you're born, what your childhood was like, and maybe something that happened in your childhood that maybe got you thinking about doing what you do now.
3: Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, I was uh, born in West Texas in El Paso, actually, um, to a a Mexican-American Uh, who was a football coach and a teacher and a boxing coach. My dad um, coached football, coached boxing and taught school at a local school. He coached football in the Lombardi era. If you're a millennial and you don't know who Vince Lombardi was, Vince invented the NFL. And in that era, there were these uh, Lombardi-isms that were the quotes of the great football coach, like, there's no gain without pain. Uh, you got to pay the price. Lombardi time is 10 minutes early, and if you're not there, you're not on time. So uh, my three brothers, all younger, and I grew up with a dad who did a very good job of drumming those into us, and as a result, we all developed uh, both very, very productive work ethics, and uh, and some of us uh, developed addiction to achievement, which (laughs) later in life, we had to break out of just to get get some balance. (laughs) <laughs> but, um, you know, that I think that was probably a defining moment. And then I remember when um, the, the other defining moment as a child, when I was five years old, we moved into my grandmother's house because dad was between jobs. He was, knew he couldn't make the kind of living he wanted to teaching. So he decided that, you know, he was going to try other things and sold a number of things, ended up selling cars. But when he's between jobs, we moved into his mom's house because uh, times were tough. And she was a strong, dynamic Hispanic woman, came from Spain, born in Mexico, married a Mexican uh, who was a revolutionary, locked up in prison. So she raised five kids, pretty much on her own. Single mom, was the first woman pharmacist in the state of Texas. Very dynamic, profound, tall Spanish woman. And when you lived in her house, there, there were some rules. <laughs> and one big rule was you always clean your place because of the starving kids in Mexico. And uh, and when you always clean your plate and all you eat is beans and tortillas and rice an all carb diet, uh, you uh, gain weight very quickly. So I was the fattest kid in the fifth grade. And uh, I remember that as the fattest kid in the fifth grade, I always got picked last on all of the teams, you know, because nobody wanted the slow fat kid on their team. So I got picked last just so the kids who were doing the picking didn't get in trouble with the teachers. And, uh, it gave me an understanding of what it felt like to be included rather than celebrated as a person. And, um, you know, that, that defining moment has led us to some amazing, uh, transformational results with the firms that we serve today, uh, in the area of diversity, equity and inclusion, um, creating cultures that celebrate diversity rather than tolerate it and doing it because the goal is to win, not just to be diverse, so that everybody will think you're a nice company, whether you are or whether you aren't. So, that, that was a defining moment, uh, and then I think as I, the other defining moment was, <clears throat> as I grew up and got into my 20s, graduated college, and went into the army, got out of the army, worked in the family business, uh, my dad, because he was a football coach and a teacher still at heart was always bringing in training programs one or another and I had there were two back-to-back training programs one on the um, you know importance of setting goals in all areas of your life not just your financial life or your business life but your spiritual life and your family life and your health and then the second one was on the psychology of achievement and I put together what I learned set goals use psychology achieve them all And basically became an overachiever, Uh, got really miserable, figured out that I didn't belong in the farm business, family business, which is an automotive business at that time. Uh, But my dad had the wisdom to partner with one of the trainers who brought us some of the content and, um, you know, started a a firm that was basically about personal development training. And in that day, personal development training was really important. People were buying it because it was better than motivation the motivation courses you get excited but then when you get back to the jungle on monday morning it all it's all gone <laughs> so personal development training was basically more about how to motivate yourself than get motivated by a motivator and uh the theme of the season was self-esteem it, it was build the self-esteem of the individual and everything's beautiful uh until a few years into it uh, the world especially america who read Dr. Benjamin Spock's book on building the self-esteem of your child, overdosed on it, and we developed this generation of narcissists where everybody overdosed on self-esteem and it was all about me. Um, And our clients got to the point where they didn't want personal development training or self-esteem anymore, they wanted business results. And to do that, we had to help them um, build the balance between healthy self-esteem and effective team performance and a culture that uh, celebrated diversity and created ideal teaming in a fact that they won rather than, and got tremendous results on their, you know, from their business performance. And we just kind of evolved into it by listening to clients and going through struggles and changing things to the point where, you know, we actually ultimately develop a, a systemized process. If you look at any winning coach, any sports coach, They all have a system or a formula that they use every year. And they certainly have to innovate around it depending upon the players they have on their team. But we developed a system using data and science and technology and gifted people to help basically any organization, any business solve any business problem by moving from a mediocre or an average culture or a terrible culture to a great one. Uh, By the way, 90% 90, 90% of successful businesses ha, are underperforming because most leaders who lead a bit successful business believe if you have a successful business, you have an excellent culture. Nothing can be farther from the truth. Um, only 10% of successful businesses have excellent cultures. What does that tell us? 90% of corporate America from Fortune 5s who we serve all the way to Our smallest client with 20 employees to our largest client, uh, you know the smallest clients a software startup. Our largest is a is Toyota, who we serve for 35 years, have tens of thousands of employees. If in fact uh, you believe you have an excellent culture uh, because your business is success, those two don't necessarily correlate directly. Uh, Ninety percent of successful businesses have underperforming cultures, and uh, as a result, they stub their toe from time to time with employee engagement, with diversity and inclusion, uh, with low sales, with succession planning, with strategic planning, all of these processes that were created to solve problems. Uh, However, if all you do is change the process and you don't change the hearts of the people who are involved in it, uh, you get a 10% improvement that doesn't last compared to a 500% improvement that lasts forever. And that's the difference between addressing the culture of a firm or a team or an organization or even a family and just putting a Band-Aid on whatever the problem is and stopping the bleeding for a while, but then it gets worse. That makes sense. Uh, Symptomatic versus actually
1: curing. So um, let's go to that comment you made earlier on about you think uh, someone thinks the boss is a jerk and someone thinks the boss is terrific. Yeah. Kind of a Henry Ford Whatever you, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So you prove yourself right that that person's a
3: jerk or otherwise. So through your... Um, yeah, and in some cases, the bosses really are jerks. But it, 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 it when, when you look at it from a culture perspective, uh, it, it's not necessarily based on truth. It's just based on perception, as you said, the Henry Ford quote. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And with regard to the 90%
1: not having the the culture, uh, I'll, I'll say... Um, education and also the um, the celebration of a community that is humanity. Um, what is the, the scientific instrument that actually helps you understand how far off you are from that?
3: Well, like I said, we have a number of them number of that we use, one that we developed ourselves called the business culture MRI. That is an online instrument that anybody can visit our site, excellentcultures.com and click on the link and in 10 minutes or less, get a quick view of what their culture is uh, compared to the best in the world based on our database, compared to uh, their own vision of the culture that they want. A lot of times leaders will have the wrong vision. They think that having, let's just say, one of the things we measure is the the belief system about accountability. Um, So is your vision a culture where people are raking their hands saying, please hold me accountable, I want to be accountable, I'd like to volunteer? Or is it heavy-handed bosses poking people in the chest and yelling at them so that everybody's hiding under the desk to avoid, or anything in between? So when you can identify what the dominant beliefs are around things like accountability, around things like diversity, around things like um, people's belief in their ability to do their jobs, around how leaders are developed, these 10 things that we boil it down to can tell you very, very quickly whether you have an excellent culture, whether your vision is right or not. And because we've done this for so long, we have a database of the best in the world that um, will tell you very quickly. You know, we also license other instruments from scientific providers. One's in, in in emotional intelligence assessment, one's a corporate culture assessment. And in this case, you know, these are not personality assessments. Uh, the difference between culture and emotional intelligence and personality assessments is personalities are genetic you're born with who you are you're born with and you can tweak it and adapt it but um, who you're born with is who you are or what you're born with is who you are and yet you can augment who you are by partnering with others who are different if you have a culture that embraces and celebrates differences uh, or you can just be stuck but conversely culture The beliefs that govern how people behave at work is something that is learned and it can be changed if you want to change it and you know how to change it and you know what to change. Emotional intelligence is something that is learned. Uh, It's not genetic and you can change it if you want to change it. And again, by helping people identify what are these beliefs that govern how they behave at work or at home or even as a leader and benchmarking them against who they want to be or how they want to behave. And or the best in the world, uh, it helps people, leaders, organizations identify, you know, what do we really need to work on? And then we have a process that helps them work on whatever they want to change and do it in a way that creates measurable impact. Well, you know, with how much you've shared just in the first segment,
1: I am just wondering, are you going to be able to keep this up for the second segment? That's one. (laughs) <laughs> Number two, I think that you come across as an expert in this field. I just want to compliment you
3: on that. Yeah, well, thank you. well, thank you. After you, after you've done everything, anything, anything for that long, plus, um, you know, Andrea didn't tell you about my family because we had two children the normal way, did foster care, fostered eleven and adopted nine, and and have eleven children from eighteen to forty-seven, uh, and. The adopted kids all came from rejected abused backgrounds. Anytime you have those kind of battle scars, you kind of figure out what works, what doesn't work, what need, what really works, what always works, and what never works. And uh, it's like great leaders or good leaders learn from the mistakes. Great leaders learn from the mistakes of others. You know, right. I wasn't a great leader. I was a good good leader. <laughs> I learned from a lot of my mistakes and finally figured out that, whoa, there's smarter people than me. Maybe I can learn from them.
1: Well, we're going to reverse the, uh, the segment so that we learn a little more about that story because I find that fascinating, and uh, we're going to obviously go into some of what Andrea learned at your workshops. So we're going to go to break. We'll be back in about two minutes, and Steve, uh, really enjoyable to hear all this knowledge and information that helps a company that would otherwise be unprofitable or unmotivated to actually have the answers to actually be a community. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ken.
2: And as I share the sponsors, I'm going to give you a quick tease. I have the test results of, oh, you can't see them, of the NBA coach, Dell. Next to your face. Uh, He told me I can have them. So what's the tease for now? So you didn't even get to see it all, and I'll show you afterwards. And uh, thanks to bees.social, my makeup lady, Lynn Benavides, menfashion.com, the EMF fix perfect publishing the red carpet connection.com the umbrella syndicate and the voice america influencers channel and please love on the keep smiling your donations and your contributions of your stories to help us share other messages literally save lives with smiles by creating a dose of hope and we'll be back after these messages
0: To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify.
1: All right, this is Ken Roshan, and we are on Amplified Influencer Channel. And we're going to be very brief with the sponsors, give them a quick little shout out and get back to this program because we have a lot more to cover. Andrea?
2: Bees.social, menfashion.com, mymakeuplady.com, the Umbrella Syndicate, the Red Carpet Connection, Perfect Publishing, and the EMF Fix. And we are back thanks to Voice America Influencers Channel.
1: So Steve, I, I know that I was prodding you with, if there was, if with all the information you have, you should have a book and obviously uh that information is so valuable and i know you do these courses but this is a fantastic book where would people go on amazon to buy information that you would read to help them understand
3: the solution well we're working on a uh, uh a book book kind of a traditional book right now that is actually a um uh, a corporate fiction that is in the works. Um, The only thing they're gonna find on Amazon about us is our uh, workshop workbook, uh, which is Achieving S1 Culture. Um, uh, And they can buy the workbook if they want to, but they'd probably be more effective if they got the workbook by participating in the uh, workshop that Andrea participated in that typically most of our work, we do inside with companies privately. But three times a year, we do open workshops that anyone from any firm can attend that are usually attended by middle managers to CEOs of everything from from startups to Fortune Fives to for-profits and non-profits, both, which is what Andrea attended. We have another one coming up that you can attend either virtually or live and in person on September 29th and 30th. It's in North Dallas, Texas. Uh, You can go to excellentcultures.com and look at the events and uh, sign up, or you can look, go, look at my LinkedIn profile, uh, Steve Gandra, Gandara, G-A-N-D-A-R-A Gandara, however you say it, and uh, check, check us out on LinkedIn. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're interested in more, uh, most of the folks, because we're in the corporate culture, business culture is deep. Most of the folks who get benefit from what we do are not just looking for, you know, the cutest little motivational trinket. If that's the case, there's a lot of motivators you can go to, a lot of self-help books you can read. But if you're looking for deep transformation, something that really makes a difference and that is sustainable and will last, uh, you would love this workshop. It's called Achieving Excellent Culture. You can attend, like I said, either virtually in the virtual webinar. Uh, I'll tell you that a third of the content is traditional training, a third is self study. So you're going to go deep with yourself as a leader. And then a third is interactive table discussions or chat room discussions if you're online with other leaders. My recommendation would be if this strikes a serious note to you, you want to attend one of those like Andrea did a couple of months ago.
1: So we're going to turn it over to Andrea in a, in a minute or two, but we got to give a shout out to Peter Stropel who made this connection and opportunity possible. So where'd you meet Peter?
3: Uh, I met Peter through one of our colleagues, John Robertson, who is a mutual friend that Andrea and I share. And uh, Peter actually is attending our um, September 29th and 30th workshop. So if you want to meet Peter in person, he'll be there and is looking forward to it. Uh, This particular workshop is coming up in September. We have two great guest speakers, both from Toyota. One is the VP, former VP of the Puerto Rican division who just got their employee engagement scores at 95% Hmm. and whose market share is second in the world only to Japan on this island that suffered what earthquakes and pandemics and hurricanes and social unrest, a million people on the streets firing the governor, Um, 95% in in employee engagement and second in the world in market share only to Japan is huge. The other one is the former VP of the marketing division, who led Toyota through the largest scandal in the history of their industry uh, to a record move from number 27 in employee engagement to number one and a 2% market share increase nationally uh, telling his story of personal transformation as a leader as well as the corporate story. So uh, these are rare opportunities. These guys are very busy and are phenomenal leaders and have led these kind of transformations using our tools uh, they'll be there sharing their stories. So you definitely want to make it if you're serious about transformation. Well, we are, and I am. So uh, am I available for that, Andrea? Do you know?
2: Um, I th- well, think we gonna... can make it work. So okay. try, try, trying to see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Keep okay. working
3: on the calendar.
1: Gotcha. He's so Andrea, why don't, you, why don't you share the experience and take the helm for about five minutes and uh, give gratitude to Steve and what you learned
2: well, it's really wonderful because Steve has a, another part of his program too where uh, they're very philanthropic and they give back to nonprofits as well. And so, in um, working with us and helping with us as a nonprofit, not only having us look at our culture of who we are and how we show up in the world and how we individually show up, but how we present as an organization to other people um, has been instrumental. And the people I connected with and met there, wow, what a fantastic group! Of of people, uh, it just is one of those places, Ken. Where um, when you're there and when you're with them, you're like, "Wow, this is where I belong. These are these are my people. Uh, they they really care about other people. They so care they're not about really." Them so it's not like continually. A-
1: so it's not like a collection of haters is what you're trying to tell me.
2: Uh, it's not a collection <laughs> of haters. It's a collection of people who definitely love the world. but And, and it's and it's people who want to succeed and who are motivated uh, very much like you, Ken, that like um, uh, no is just an obstacle to overcome on why did I get a no and what can I do to uh, uh, get them to see me for who I am in my heart and my culture and my business so that I show up the way I want to be seen. And I met uh, Del Harris there. He is an MBA a winning basketball coach for multiple years, um, he was head coach for the Houston Rockets, Milwaukee Bucks, um, L.A. Lakers, as well as the Legends. And uh, one of the things is when we were there uh, working together, he said, "Here, Andrea." Um, uh, um, oh, he had this form, and he was getting ready to leave. And I said, "Hey, is there any chance I can get a picture of that?" And he goes, "Why don't you just hang on to it for me? I'm trying to get it to show up in the screen. Uh, hang on to put it for right me." Your so. Face yeah, put yeah right I right put right it, it on my face it disappears done, so right. uh, I the gotcha. anyhow so it's just a sneak peek of um, of uh, his scores <laughs> uh, of his scores uh, on the particular organizational culture profile um, and what was really interesting and fun and I wish I could show you this closer is if you were to look at his and look at mine they are not far off ours as far as the constructive styles and aggressive defensive styles were were really close in alignment where we were off is um he is um his passive defensive styles for um for uh oh you know winning a game had to be he's oh it was in the competition i'm not competitive so i'm like yeah you know and he's like no we gotta win (laughs) so (laughs) that's those were our major differences but as far as the rest of the alignment really close so it's a, a a wonderful event um, and uh, to imagine what it can do for your nonprofit or your business or your corporate. I mean, if you're already a fortune 500 and you want to get to uh, the top fortune 100, um, you might want to go.
1: <laughs> so Steve, i guessing that the leader that actually embraces this type of philosophy and mentality and um, acceptance to everyone being part of a, a team and a
3: winning project that that makes a huge difference. In- well, it, it, it's, it's everything. Yeah. So, uh, and again, you know, in our, in our current uh, societal theme of diversity, 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 diversity is great. You know, if a firm or an organization has racism, it's evil, they need to stamp it out. I think everybody knows that by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, there's a right and a wrong way to do diversity, for example. Um, the wrong way is to, is to focus on diversity because diversity without unity produces chaos. And we've seen it on our streets. Um, but if the goal is unity that celebrates diversity, then it produces winning. And there's no better example. I mean, you look at our, our current uh, NBA and WNBA uh, look at the, the, our two men's and women's Olympic teams that just won. You know, you got people from every, every place in life, every, every perspective, every point of view. Uh, look at our N- NBA champions, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they got people from all over, every color. Um, the MVP is an African who grew up in Greece, who has a handle, the Greek Freak, that he celebrates. Most people, if you called me a freak, I would get offended and get mad. You know, he celebrates it, even has a shoe called a freak. I don't know how many millions he's making on the shoe called a freak. So it's the difference between, you know, the NBA and the WNBA do a wonderful job of displaying what diversity that works looks like. And that's because the goal is unity, you know, and it's a culture of unity. When, when I talked to Dell, the former NBA coach of the year, uh, five NBA teams that he coached, coached the Chinese national team, the Puerto Rican team and asked him, you know, what do you think about diversity and inclusion? He says, well, Steve, I love diversity because it's what wins, but I don't know about this inclusion stuff. Uh, Well, why is that Dale? He says, because the only color that matters on a basketball team is the color of your jersey. Mm -hmm. And so they do it in basketball because the goal is to win and to win in basketball, you got to have unity. You see it in soccer and other team sports as well. Yet in corporate America, we seem to have gotten distracted on all these other scenarios. And if you handle diversity, uh, I just did an interview for uh, Minority Business News, uh, one last month, another one that will run next month. If, if the goal is, is diversity, you're gonna have chaos. If the goal is unity that celebrates diversity, not only are you not gonna have chaos, you're gonna have win, you're gonna win. And you're going to have diversity. It's going to happen. We actually have clients who have won awards for best places to work and diversity who didn't even have a diversity strategy. Mm -hmm. They had an excellent culture strategy. And guess what? They won awards in diversity. We're sitting in the room when they were announcing and describing the company that was going to win. They were talking about their company. They didn't even know it was in because they didn't have a diversity strategy. I want to
1: bring up two points, Steve. One is uh, the children's book Sneeches by Dr. Seuss. Where it actually really out yeah, you better not that, say Doctor
3: Seuss, your video is going to get canceled. <laughs> your video is going to get canceled. Well, we'll
1: <laughs> we will, we will not call it that. Then we will just call it Sneeches. The children's book. <laughs> the children's book. <laughs> but it, it talks about how they were so consumed about whether they had a star on theirs or not, and yeah. instead of being productive and enjoying life, they basically both exhausted all their resources, money, etc., to switch back and forth the other and never being happy. So that is, I think, a really good example of a children's yep. book. And I'll have to research later why you're not allowed to say the good doctor's name. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it, it, it doesn't fit with some of the current, current philosophy of, of uh, separating people instead of unifying them.
1: Yes, exactly. And then I'll also uh, ask you, did you see um, the, diversity, um, the diversity theme for The Office. I think that was their second or third show. Do you remember seeing that? By any no, chance? I didn't. I didn't
3: see that one, but I'm going to watch it because I, I love The Office. Yes, yeah, so Steve, Steve Carroll.
1: I think that is potentially the funniest one because he couldn't have gotten it worse or more wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he went the exact. I mean, it actually would have some bits in there if you had permission to show it at your workshop
3: of how to really do it the wrong way. Yeah, we'll, def- <laughs> we'll definitely uh, view it. And, uh, and and again, it's, it's common, it's like common sense, you almost have to, you know, get somebody to help you misunderstand, but but we do. And uh, why can we do it in basketball and not in business or corporate America, or the government, we're just gonna, that's not my expertise. So I'm going to stay away from politicians and government. Uh, You know, we're good on companies and corporations and for profits and nonprofits, we can do it with organizations who want to and I mean that's the big deal it, it all starts with the one who really wants to change and well, if they do we we can help them if they don't then they should just be happy with the way they have what they're doing right now
1: well my son is coming out with a book on 9 11 and he was born on flag day and it's called kenny's favorite things about america it's his sixth book and it the second page in the book well the first page in the book is about the statue of liberty welcoming all to this country and that we accept them, and that is a land of free. The second mm-hmm. page is about Ellis Island and how all the people that immigrate into the country, which would be 100% of everyone who has come to this country. It's interesting that we have diversity issues, or I should say uh, prejudice issues when we know that we could have been the one that is the wrong color, the wrong size, the wrong gender, whatever, and you're being brought into a country where it's a melting pot. So exactly. that is one thing that I love about America is that yeah. it is it is a collection of the world.
3: Yeah, it, exactly. And if we can just get this part right, if we can learn from Coach Harris and all of his experience building winning teams, that um, diversity... Is a fruit it's not a root unity is the root um and if you grow unity it produces diversity automatically if you try to treat diversity which is a fruit like a root you just get chaos because it's not intended that way uh we'll figure it out we'll figure it out and we can so
1: you brought up your uh, family and how large it is i would like you to just uh, we have probably about two or three minutes if you do a, a nice little tangent of how you Balanced life, first of all, how you met your wife, brief, and then you had two children, and then please continue.
3: Well, I married my high school sweetheart. We celebrated 49 years week before last. Um, we got married in college, met in high school, got married in college, and we went through a marriage crisis in late our late 30s, early 40s, which revealed that she always wanted more children, and I didn't, and I don't think she ever told me. and I don't think it's one of those things that she just told me, and I didn't hear, uh, I don't think she ever realized it, that she wanted more. And so um, I said, you need to be happy, called up a friend who was in children's services, asked if we could check out any orphans for the holidays. He laughed, says, there's no more orphans. There's only foster children. You have to go to class for three, you know, uh, six weeks to get licensed, but we have a free orientation in January. When you show up, we went, learned things about raising kids, that we wish would have known to raise our two teenagers and then we got a placement with two children kept them for six months they went back to their parents when the parents had completed their therapy and counseling and it broke our hearts broke our children's hearts so we basically kept the next seven uh they were all kids who came from very challenged backgrounds with every problem you can imagine you know we had to hire a nanny instead of a administrative assistant first nanny had a nervous nervous breakdown Six weeks on the job, literally, really had a nervous breakdown on the job uh, and got to the point where we were just exhausted and done. But then we had a divine intervention on the last two. And so now we have ages 18 to 47. Our 18-year-old son has a 12-year-old nephew. So it's a very, and we have every race, but, but no Asian kids. They just never asked ask, ask us to foster Asian kids. But we've got every other race, and it's a very eclectic family. And uh, thank God they're, they're almost all grown. And everybody's alive, gainfully employed, and headed in the right direction <laughs> at one stage or another.
1: Well, let's let's get them all to the workshop in September and do a family uh, <laughs> family shot. That, that yeah, would I be got to miracle. meet a couple
2: of his sons, and they're wonderful. And a son-in-law.
1: Yeah. All right, anything we're missing, uh, Andrea, as far as uh, – your experience at the workshop. Anything that uh, I'm leaving out of this? Well, uh,
2: well uh, what 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 I see is a missing. We don't have time for, and that's uh, for him to be able to share some things that would actually help us with the keep smiling movement and help the world understand who we are. So hmm, maybe that's a.
1: Do we have change. a minute? Do we have a minute for him to do that? Sure. Okay. Steve, generally speaking, what you know about the key Smiling Movement and or
3: nonprofits, can you give a, a one-minute, 90-second answer? Well, it, it, the, the beautiful thing I love about what the work that you guys are doing there is that a smile is a fruit. It's not a root. You can't fake a smile because if you fake it, everybody knows you're, you're faking it. So in order to produce a real smile, that was a good fake smile, Andrea. Uh, <laughs> but we all knew you are faking it uh it, you know it, it's genuine and it comes from within and in order for smiles to happen something transformational needs to happen inside uh inside of our hearts our minds our subconscious thinking system that produces that fruit of a natural smile and if you can find a way to help people make those transformations that generate these natural automatic you know responses of a smile uh that's a good thing because um, faking smiles, politicians are really good at that. <laughs> but uh, we've all lost faith in politicians, regardless of what side of the aisle we come from, or if we're even in the middle, like I kind of am. Um, but uh, real genuine smiles um, create, you know, our fruit of transformation that happens in people's hearts, and that's a great thing. Uh, anything we could do that you could just quickly recommend that would make us more effective, more impactful? Well, I think what you're, I think the, the, what, what we have to contribute is pretty much packaged in that workshop. And the fact that Andrea's been there, uh, she has access to the 10 week sustainment podcast that, that you can listen to to sustain it. And the fact that you're trying to get your schedule arranged to attend one, um, is about the best contribution we can make to people because it crams into two days, not everything that we've learned over, you know, four decades of helping, uh organizations and people transform in a manner that produces these huge miraculous triple and quadruple digit returns uh that are just the financial side. It doesn't measure the the heart side or the people side or the number of smiles that were created. You know, we need to come up with a new assessment that measures the number of smiles that were created because that would be great. Um but talk to, you know, most talk bus- to Bhutan. Bhutan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Most <laughs> business leaders, you know, are bottom line oriented and um, they'll invest in something that they have confidence will improve their bottom line. And it just so happens that, you know, transformation of people's hearts and minds uh, improves the bottom line when you know how to do it. And we're blessed to have learned how to do it. That's beautiful. So we're going to, we're going to cut
1: into, we have how many minutes to, We have doesn't show here, but yeah, we're going we go to go into our rapid fire. Yeah. So here's the rapid fire, young man. So uh, what book changed your life? Uh,
3: the Bible the Bible Uh, that changed my life and it wasn't just reading it. It was, I heard about it too. Um, (laughs) It was just um, my own personal, um, my own personal experience. uh, We have only about two minutes. We have two minutes. And again, and and I don't have time to talk to you about that now, but you asked the question uh, that that's the book. Uh, The only book, it's it's the only book I've read in my life uh, that I'm still reading. Uh, 40 some odd years after I started reading
2: it. Cool. Awesome. And for the next couple uh, questions, we're going to ask for just the answer, not even a, a full sentence. Got so, it. So uh, Mike, I get to ask the next, what's the song that gets you motivated and moving?
3: Um, the Eye of the Tiger.
2: Nice.
1: That's a good one, Survivor. All right. Uh, what What movie inspires you? Um,
3: let's see. What Any any movie where uh, the team overcomes tremendous adversity and comes together and wins. Um, kind of like, there's so many of them that I've seen, but any of those, you know, I always cry at those kind of movies. You got it. Yeah, Andrea? Uh,
2: when you were a child, what did you want to grow up and be?
3: I, uh, uh, I wanted to grow up and be a tycoon. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> uh, who's someone you'd love to meet, if you haven't met? Someone that I would love to meet, uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Me too. Andrea?
2: Uh, take a time, you can.
1: Okay. Um, final question is, what quote do you live by?
3: Uh, what quote do I live by? I live by a Bible quote. Um, uh, be ye a hearer of the word and not a doer only. Beautiful. I like to be one who practices what I try to believe instead of just hears it and it goes away. Well, Steve, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. This show
1: is about amplifying leaders who lead a life they love cause inspiration and bring community together and as you know we couldn't be in a better business because a smile is something that does welcome love and bring community together so we're so excited that you are endorsing what we do and we also support so much what you're doing and want to learn more of how we can bring your message to the world because i think that is the answer so this is ken roshan and uh, i want to make sure we get our sponsors real quick andrea
2: uh, yes, uh, The Umbrella Syndicate, The Red Carpet Connection, My Makeup Lady, Lynn Benavides, The EMF Fix, Bees.Social, Perfect Publishing, Voice America Influencers Channel, MenFashion.com, and the TheKeepSmilingMovement.com. Back to you, Ken.
1: Great. So if you know someone who is celebrating unity through diversity and you'd like to recommend them for the Dose of Hope, we certainly would like to hear their story A story like this is going to inspire so many people that may have lost hope. So we are so excited that we are getting past the halfway point. We have over 250 authors. We want to close the project out in November with 500. And believe it or not, if those 250 just recommended one person, we would double and we'd be complete with a beautiful, beautiful project. Dose of Hope, again, stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, the beautiful chemicals that God gives you when you are living a life you love, excited about winning, and also bringing A lot of influence and passion and making a difference in the world. So keep transforming yourself so you can transform the world. Stay amplified.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashawn again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.